Hello everyone and welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman from Hong Kong, where we are back in some form of lockdown. Joined, as always, in Singapore with a new microphone setup. Darren Burns, how are you doing? You're looking like a like one of those professional Sky broadcasters there. Yeah, it's because it's, it's all about the look, right, isn't it? So I've been trying to get this sort of podcaster look down, and I'm sort of getting there. I feel like, you know, bought some equipment online, been a bit bored, you know, set up the home studio. So um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Hopefully my voice sounds okay. Yeah, you look kind of like a cross between Michael Holding and, and Joe Rogan. So <laughs> I, think that's, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I, it's just an observation, I guess, isn't it? Pod goals. Pod goals. And meanwhile, joining us from in Hong Kong, he was threatening a Stuart Broad tantrum if he was left off this podcast. Toby Doman, how are you doing? Good morning. I'm well. There are no toys left in my pram. No. Did you want to have a, a conversation to discuss your role on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that um, annual appraisal time of year, isn't it? So I was looking for some feedback. So maybe after this we can chat. I think you, you also have a column, a syndicated column, where <laughs> you, you might make your views <laughs> on your on your position clear. I think Tobes has also had a haircut, which is more than can be said for most of the English players. It's strange, isn't it? Because the West Indians look very well coiffured. Uh, apparently, Michael Holding suggested there's someone in the camp that is cutting their hair. Uh, he, and, then, and, then he, and then he talked about how, back in the day, Albert Padmore, not only was he a decent batsman and bowler, but he also cut everyone's hair. In the West Indies. Nice little side hustle. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that this is the renaissance now for the Dennis Lilly headband because I think with everyone's long hair, oh, yeah. it seems to be quite on vogue to have a headband. So, you know, it's back. Yeah, Nathan Bracken tried, didn't he? Didn't, didn't quite happen. Yeah, he, he, he wore that for a while. But I, I, I just like Stewie Braw's sort of tied back hairband. It's like sort of the Daniel son. <laughs> you know, he gets to the top of his mark and he, and he stands up and yeah. he ties his headband and he sort of gets those legs pumping and steams in. Mm, it's great, the, great the theatre. On that, my view—I think we've discussed um, my view on, on headbands before. I always feel, certainly with Indian bowlers, the the the, the more they wear a headband, the worse they are. Uh, I, think I used to really, wear a headband when I played. What kind of headband, though? I think there's different types. So if it's one of those like elasticated, brightly coloured ones, um, you know, like the John McEnroe headband, but in luminous yellow. Mm. Uh, that is the sign of a kind of average medium pacer who... I think Dennis at least to bear a bright yellow yeah. headband. Yeah, I think it works for Australians. But he he can just, wear whatever he wants. He can, yeah. <laughs> I just find whenever there's an Indian bowler that wears a headband, they are invariably... Where do you average. stand on, on, average, on the headbands? Yeah. Sorry, this is going down a headband rat hole, but um, where, where do you stand on headbands for batsmen? So like Graham Thorpe always used to wear one. Gus Logie used to have one a lot. I think it's quite cool. It looks like you know your stuff. I think it's quite cool. I think Steve it's Smith fine. has one too. I like the bandana actually on on the batsman. Yeah. I really like that. I think I used to wear a bandana under my helmet too. Well, you I just used to generally used to wear a bandana, I think, right? That it was just your... peacocking, right? <laughs> just it, was peacocking. Just your, it was your gang colours, wasn't it? That's yeah, really... it was my gang colours. Yeah. I was wearing my colours, man. <laughs> so yeah, I like the bandana. I think it's okay with batsmen though because they're under the helmet. So as long as you're wearing a helmet, I suppose. Yeah. Just a bandana by itself is pretty silly. Mm, yeah. I will say, though, I think the, the England bowlers, it feels to me like they are not cutting their hair now out of choice rather than because they just can't get a haircut. I'm sure they're, yeah, they're growing sure beards as well. It's possible. To you know, and they're getting a bit peaky blinders there as well. You know, Rory Burns and Ben Stokes are a bit sort of peaky blinderish. Well, they? Don Best looks like a student, doesn't he? He's got this sort of 
Like his <laughs> really mate's cut like it, a pints and then left the top bit. You know? yeah, exactly. Hey, I'll have a bowl, yeah. <laughs> Tom Bess, he looks like a student. Does he bowl like a student? Bowls like a student. Too harsh? I think he does. <laughs> I think he does bowl like a student. But he feels... But I digress. As, uh, as uh, Toby pointed out uh, in the run-up to this pod, Don Bess is, uh, is feeling really dangerous. Um, in fact, that's, that's probably how I should have introduced you, Toby. He's <laughs> also feeling really dangerous. Um, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fighting words there from Don Bess. I'm not sure I would use dangerous to describe him. Well, he described himself as a little porker. I read. Uh, he said he's lost a lot of weight. He's worked hard on his conditioning with his coach at Somerset. He's now on loan, I think, at Yorkshire. But he said, I was always a little porker as a young player and had a very short run-up. So he's always he's always gravitated towards the spin department because it means he hasn't got to run as far. Maybe Nathan Lyons is kind of idle, you know, making all these bold and big statements. At, le- at least Nathan Lyon can bowl, I suppose. <laughs> Don Bess, is, he's still the second choice spinner? Is that... Okay. So who's the first choice then? Isn't Why Jack, isn't he playing? Isn't Jack Leach the first <laughs> Why choice? Why isn't he playing? Spin- I don't know. I don't understand England, England spin Wasn't bowling. Moen Alley the first choice spinner for it a while? It changes every laughable. year, though. There's like two it new does. spinners every year. I just <laughs> I can't keep up. All right, let's talk about these. We, last time we, we had a pod, it was before the first test. We've had two tests. It's been a great return for test cricket, I think. I think, I mean, the first test in particular, very absorbing. I think they've... They've done a very good job. Uh, the crowd noise seems to work quite well. I think cricket actually lends itself to uh, this format because the camera angles are quite tight anyway, so you don't really notice the lack of a crowd. And the cricket's been good. I suppose that's the most important thing. Both teams have have turned up. They seem quite well prepared. Um, we've had some good cricket, particularly, I think, in the first test. The second test meandered a, a little bit. West Indies... Did very well, but it, it looks like England have the have the momentum now, Toby. Yeah, I think it's been. I agree with you. It's been a, it's an absorbing series so far. The raised the bat series. Pitch at Southampton was dead slow, and there wasn't much in it. But the West Indies obviously got the better of England there, and some some good batting performances actually from their from their side. And uh, Jofra Archer was a uh, pretty venomous in the final West Indies uh, dig. One thing I would say about the silence: it's really odd when you're watching this on TV. You know, you see a flashy drive going for four or a square cut goes straight to the boundary and you're expecting the crowd to sort of clap immediately and it's just met with silence. Uh, and it's very strange. And now I'm used to it, but it was quite an unusual feeling watching it. But back to Old Trafford again for the, the second test uh, and some more good batting actually uh, from the West Indies. I think um, Jermaine Blackwood seems to be in a rich vein of form for the for the Windies. But obviously the Stokes factor changes things for, for England and they're back to Old Trafford again. So... Uh, anywhere, any ground that has a hotel installed within within it is basically a shoe in for future tests. Yeah, and I think um, digressing massively again, but it looks like for India's tour of the West Indies, they're gonna uh, they're gonna use a ground which has a hotel in it. Saurabh Ganguly uh, was not convinced of the need for India to spend two weeks or whatever it was in quarantine, um, but his opposite number. Uh, Cricket Australia has made it clear that that, that, that has to happen and, and they will use a ground which has a hotel. I can tell you which one it is soon. Anyway, back to England. Darren, your observations on the two tests so far? Yeah, I think it's been great theatre. I mean, if we're honest, I think the first test was a really, really great win for the West Indies. Um, and it went to the final day. I think the second test went to the final day. Any result was possible on the final day uh, in Manchester as well. So that's that's good cricket, right? 
Um, I've been quite impressed with the West Indies batsmen, actually. Um, I think with the exception of Campbell, they've all showed promise. I mean, they've all scored 50s in that top six. They just haven't been able to get onto that next, you know, the 80, 100, right, plus. Yeah, Campbell is really struggling there. Yeah, I think if you look at the the um, England batting lineup, it's been quite in- inconsistent, kind of all over the place. I mean, obviously, Dom Sibley bored the shit out of us last test with that mammoth innings. Remind me of Chris Tavaray. Um, Chris Tavaray was popular when I was a young man uh, in under under 11s, I think, and I was I would call, I would be called Chris Tavaray sometimes if I blocked an over out. Um, but he, he's yeah, terribly boring to watch, but very effective. And Ben Stokes. You know, what can you say about him? He's just all over the shop. He gets the wicket when you need a wicket. He scores the runs when you need a runs. He, he changes gears, whether he's bowling. He can bowl a tight line. He could be an enforcer. With the bat, he can block it out, get through a session, or he can thrash the ball around everywhere. So he's got the whole package, really. Back to the West Indies, though. I think Elzari Joseph looks really good to me. I don't know if he needs to be worked on a bit more, but he really, when he's on on song, he looks like a world-class bowler. So hopefully he gets worked on and he really starts to develop his game as well. Shannon Gabriel, I thought, looked a bit tired in the second test, didn't he? I think he looked like he'd given everything in the first test. It was a quick turnaround, wasn't it? I mean, England had the luxury of essentially bringing in, uh, was it two or three new yeah. fresh, fast bowlers? They brought in Sam Curran, um, Stuart Broad, obviously. Speaking of schoolboys, Sam Curran just looks like a kid to me every time he gets the ball. He's like, like really he's does, he's playing yeah. in a in a under seventeens or under sixteens match. I'm always I'm always amazed at just the kind of venom in his bowling, given his appearance. But yeah, meanwhile the West Indies went in with with exactly the same bowling attack, and you know Shannon Ga- Gabriel in particular, he's he's a big guy, um, and you can kind of, he's one of those bowlers that. He's not a Jimmy Anderson with a really kind of slight frame and that lovely action and, you know, can probably bear a lot of bowling. You can kind of see Shannon Gabriel breaking down. There's a lot of component parts in play. Um, and then Alzari Joseph as well. You know, I think he, his, his body is probably going through a lot. Jason Holder's also, you know, a big guy. And I think it is tough. The next test starts today. It does. It's a lot of strain, I think, on the West Indian quicks. And I wonder whether, will they consider um, bringing in one of their uh, their other bowlers? They have, um, what is it, Chimar, oh, sorry, O'Shane Thomas, and is it Chimar Holder? Yeah. 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 They might look at it. I mean, I, I think Chimar Roach looked better in the second test. Well, he um, got a wicket. That was good. Well, he got a couple, yeah, but he was looking much better, I think. He, he, he sort of found his rhythm, I think. They might also be... Bring in um, Raheem Cornwall as well, the big spinner. He gets a lot of turn on the ball, a lot of purchase, but he gets a lot of purchase on that ball. So they might bring him in. He moves very uh, gracefully for a big man. He does. He's a good slipper too. In their their batting, I think there's this discussion you mentioned, John John Campbell. I think John Campbell and Shy Hope in particular are concerns for Phil Simmons. Um, If they drop John Campbell, then the West Indies will be fielding 11 right hand batsmen, um, which Tactically, does that make the case for England to think we need to have a left-arm spinner in there? And that brings Jack Leach. So there's some little subplots going on with the with the West Indies batting. Is Jack Leach in the squad? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. He's he in is. the bubble. He is. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense to me. I'm surprised I didn't go with him in the first instance. I mean, basically, they're all right-handers, right? Um, bar one. So, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think Don Best hasn't really 
look that great. It means been okay, but nothing to write home about. The big question for England, um, I guess, for the third test is their bowling attack. Um, they've actually got a luxury. Uh, well, I guess they've got kind of an embarrassment now of, of riches in a way because they could pick, I suppose, any three are Broad, Archer, Wokes, Curran and Mark Wood and Jimmy Anderson. So they have to pick three of those. I don't know who you would pick. I mean, it's, it's tough, as we know, to leave out Stuart Broad. You kind of do that at your peril these days. He bowled very well in the second test uh, after being dropped for the first. I mean, did, 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 you, did, did you guys think it was unfair? He was dropped for the first test. He certainly did. I thought it was crazy. I mean, he's, he's probably the premier fast bowler in England at the moment. I think he surpassed Jimmy Anderson in the last year or two. Uh, very surprising. As a test match bowler, you definitely want Stuart Broad opening the bowling. Yeah, I agree. And it fired him up. And he's one of those bowlers that, that gets wickets in clusters, which is quite a, a, a rare thing for bowlers. And he gets really fired up. So he was fired up in the last test and and, and had points to prove. So I, I don't think you can, you can drop him after that. I thought he was excellent. He just brings so much theatre to the game as well, doesn't he? I was reading an article about this. You know, he just, the legs pump, you know, when the crowd's there especially, right, he gets the crowd going. It just brings a lot more theatre with his expressions and his, and his oh my broad expression. Like he really gets into the crowd and gets into the match. You sort of, when he gets those legs pumping at the top of his run, you really feel something's going to happen. And he just brings that excitement to Test Cricket. And I think he's such a such a character. I like right? his uh, so, um, um, Cell appealing as well, basically. Cell appealing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got to give that yeah. out, sir. Yeah, the umpires <laughs> were, were unmoved in many cases. They, I, yeah, I, I agree in terms of Stuart Broad, but I suppose the only thing is um, if they were thinking that, that he's going to have to miss one of the two first tests anyway, then I think that is a reasonable reason just in terms of workload. So who do they go with in this test, Tobes? What, what, let's make a call each. Which, which four bowlers are they bringing? I think, I think the, the, the question mark is rather Stokes is able to bowl uh, a full role because he's yeah, looking a bit he may just stiff play as a batsman. And so that might bring in another bowler. So you have to play broad, I think, and Anderson. You've got to play your best players. And thinking about the conditions in Manchester, looks like it's going to be grey and overcast. There's likely to be rain delays. So you want someone with an ability to sort of slip it around a bit off the deck. But Chris Wokes has been he's been bowling better than the he's, two of them the last few years. Well, he's yeah. such a good bowler he in has, England. I think he Wokes. should play as well and, and lose that understudy tag. So then you drop Jofra Archer or you drop uh, Anderson? You, it's difficult because Archer, you kind of need to see him back in the side. He seems to be a little bit upset at sixes and sevens. Yeah, we need to talk about Jofra Archer, obviously. Um, so anyone that's uh, been hiding under a rock, yeah. maybe will be unaware that Jofra Archer broke the biosecure bubble uh, on the journey from Southampton to Old Trafford. Players travelled individually um, as part of the protocol. Which is weird. Well, it's part of the protocol, isn't it? I think they're just yeah, trying I to thought minimize. they would have travelled together. Mm. I think they're trying to just minimise yeah, uh, contact. contact. Um, he went home for an hour or two. I mean, initially it looked pretty innocuous, but then it, then it emerged that he had he had actually met up with a friend at his a house in, in Brighton. Well... I wouldn't want to cast any aspersions. Um, <laughs> Never. Met, uh, met up with a friend at his home in Brighton. His friend has been tested, tested negative. But, of course, uh, once it emerged that this had happened, he was uh, he was dropped. He was given a, a written warning. I think he was fined as well. Yeah. Um, and then made to sit in a hotel room for five days watching the cricket on his own. Sit in a hotel room. <laughs> he's He's been, I mean, racially abused online. 
uh, which he's which he's reported. I think it's it's been tough for him. I, I saw a, a tweet from Derek Pringle, which I think was kind of emblematic of some of the commentary he's received, where he was accused of sabotaging uh, the entire series, which which is not without some merit, actually, because that sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Jeez, well, really, it, it's it's harsh language, but the risk is that anyone that breaks the bubble d- does risk, you know, there is a risk that it can, it can lead to, uh, tests and matches being canceled. So, no doubt. so it is a huge risk. Um, but I think some of the outrage has been outrageous. Michael, Michael Vaughan's been a little bit controversial. I think he wrote a bit of a silly opinion piece in the telegraph, which has caused another stir just saying that Archer oh, should, should have thicker skin really in terms of some of this, criticism which is oh, that's just silly choice yeah. of words and, and i don't think that's helpful at all so i do feel sorry for archer and i think the best thing to do would be to get him back in the side put his put your arm around him and let him play yeah i do feel sorry for him and that, you know the racist stuff is just not acceptable in, in any any way at all but you know i read his daily mail you know byline i guess he has it ghost written and it was pretty bad i mean it was all about woe is me i'm the victim i get criticized all the time actually he has a lot of fans right, as well. So he just took this really negative path on it and he sort of, you know, kind of apologised at the end, but just take your medicine, dude. You screwed up, right? Anybody, it would have been the same for anybody. If, if Anderson had done it or anybody else had gone out of the bubble for whatever reason, they would also have this been in the same fi- firing line. So I, I think, you know, he just needs to probably take it easy. And I know he's been talking to Ben Stokes about how he's got through some of that stuff. At the end of the day, it's, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, yeah, he broke the protocol. He could have had ramifications. He made a mistake. Fine. Get on with it. Put your head down. The way the, the, way the media work, I think the England management have to be careful with him because he could turn into another Peterson where he becomes the feeling that he's being victimised, not by, not by colleagues, but maybe by the broader cricketing community. Yeah, but exactly. it's strange because he's just not that type of character at all. I don't. Think. I don't know who's advising I he's, him. He's a I don't know who's advising him, but that that male yeah, thing I don't was think not right. Kim- I actually think that column really is just indicative of of his mental health. To be honest, I think with so you. too. Right now, and I think and, it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, that is a concern. But that five days in a room when you're really your only company is social media, and then you're getting abused and you're getting racist abuse on social media as well. You know that will. I suspect take him to quite a low point, and that's probably reflected in the column. I think that his teammates, the the the, the noises from them have has has been really encouraging. You know, they I think they are really rallying around him. Joe Root has made it really clear. You know, there's been none of this. Oh well, he's he needs to. Back there's up. just been yeah, they've been very supportive. I think Ben Stokes as well. I think that's what he needs to hear. Yeah, I think the other thing for Archer is he's not a product of the English system. Like he didn't grow up like Joe Root and and um, Stokes and he's sort of he's sort of like system. He sort of came in late on his own merit, and I think he probably doesn't know how to deal with this whole situation. He probably hasn't had much good guidance, I wouldn't imagine, right? So hopefully people take him under the wing. His wing, he gets on with it. He's a he's a great looking player. Well, and, the interesting and sort of thing apparently here. is he's, he's been talking a lot to the West Indian physio, I think, who he knows who he knows who he knows probably better than maybe anyone in the England setup. But that's also, you know, helpful as well. I think, yeah, I, I, I feel for him. I think he made it, he obviously, he made a very bad mistake. He knows that. A good test match. It looks like he's going to play. Uh, apparently, he's been bowling like the wind in the nets. But of course, they're going to say that, aren't they? They're not going to come out and say it. He's been bowling tripe 
in the nets. <laughs> well, I think that's the issue is that is, you know, he, he's, his expectation that every time he goes out, he's going to bowl at 90-95. He's going to bowl a Steve Smith spell again. That's the expectation. Every time he's going to come out and bowl like that, which, you know, he's just not going to, it's not going to happen, right, every time. Yeah, I, 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 you're right that what you say about Kevin Peterson, I, I am a little concerned that he will be victimized. Um, he is a bit different for kind of some obvious reasons and some non-obvious reasons. Um, and there is a risk that the media uh, do turn on him a little bit. Uh, and I'm, I'm, yeah. But I think the big difference with Peterson is that most of his teammates hated him, right? I, I don't think this yeah, is really no, larger at all. Yeah, very right? different They've with supported Joffre. him totally, right? Yeah, I think the, the difference with Joffre is just, I think he's he's not a product of the English system. And, you know, they, they already, I think, you know, there was already that the coverage when he came into the team where there were some articles, you know, questioning, you know, whether he should be there at all. Um, and, you know, people did point out that these questions weren't asked of, of Jonathan Trott or, or whoever, other other players who came in from, from other countries. So, yeah, it is it is a concern. All right, well, if I'm going to make a call, I will say I think that Broad, Archer and Anderson should be the three bowlers. But, of course, if Stokes doesn't bowl, I actually think that's another reason why you need those three because if Stokes is there as a batsman, then that kind of reduces Wokes's maybe claim for selection a little bit. And Anderson can bowl a lot of overs, I think, even at his age. And no spinner. No, I'd have those three and a spinner, yeah. Yeah, those three and those three and, and Don Best, I guess. What about you? Yeah, I was just saying, I think Mark Wood was, was very quick in the first test, but very expensive. Um, and I think Wokes offers control, but I think it's got to be Anderson. It's his home ground. He's, you know, he's, he loves test cricket. You've got to play him broad as a rich vein of form and archer. We need to get him back in the side. So those are the three, three seamers. And then Bess, I think has been, as Darren said, he's been okay. Seems to be bowling a little bit more quickly with a dip, which I guess he needs to develop. He's only 22. So he needs games really, which is the key. Yeah. Darren? You know, I think the difficulty here is, is you get too many bowlers that are very similar. So, I mean, I, I think you've got to go with broad. I think to me, it's, it's, it's broad, definitely. Uh, Archer as well, definitely. And then it's between Wokes and Anderson, I think. They're going mm-hmm. to make a call. I agree, yeah. And they probably want it for the theatre of it, maybe give Anderson a game. You know, you could have another fast bowler there if Joss Butler was batting well, and he could move up to six, but he's batting terribly at the moment. So it's a bit risky not having him at number seven. So if he was batting like he normally does or you know his potential, you could have him at number six and bring in another bowler, say Wokes, for example, right? Which they might it's worth, do. It's worth a word on Butler, actually, just that you mentioned, Darren. I think that there's serious question marks about his test career. I think we've seen... Ser- well, Ben Folkes is in the wings, is he not? He's been in the wings for a couple of years and I think people... He's, not, he's the best keeper out of any of the options, best though included and, and others. But I think... Joss Butler, the, the hope was, and this, remember this was an Ed Smith early pick to try and galvanise his test career in a bit of a wild card, and it hasn't really come off. And I think he had a tailor-made opportunity in the last test to really get a big big score, and he, he gave his wicket away, unfortunately, a couple of times. But he looked like he was batting for his place. Didn't you think so? When he scored that fo- that, that sort of painstaking 40, he just looked like he was trying to hold on and Mentally, knock it out. He's an interesting character. I think you, you may have, I think he used to have a squash ball in his hand when he would, uh, when he would bat. Oh, I think similar to Gilchrist, Gilchrist, right? Gilchrist. And, and, and I think he would yeah. try these different techniques and I think he ended up writing like a profanity on his bat handle to try and remind him that 
you can just go for it. And so I think he's one of these people that needs to be in the right mindset. And I think that suits the shorter form. But for, for test cricket, he seems to be not quite not quite there. So who knows, this might be the last time you see Butler lining up in a test. He seems like such a lovely guy, Joss Butler. Such a shame. So he's obviously under pressure. We also we also bade farewell to Joe Denley. Do we uh, do we need to spend much time discussing his test career? I think he's done. Poor yeah, Joe. That was that. I'm surprised he survived the Ashes, to be honest. That was the kind of the sort of classic Ed Smith. It's painful to watch. Pick, right? You know, he, he gets to twenty or thirty, and then he gets out, basically, right? But but it's a, not a nice twenty or thirty. It's not a James Vince twenty or thirty, right? It's a painful kind of grudging 20, 30 runs, and then he gets out, and I feel sorry. He plays a lot away from his body, doesn't he? I think that's his key technique issue. He plays, with the, his foot movement is limited early on, and he plays away from his body a lot. Um, and when you've, got, when you've got bowlers like Shannon Gabriel, for example, who doesn't he get like the most bowls out of all, most bowlers on world cricket? He bowls very straight, um, wicket to wicket, and you know, that sort of thing exposes players like that, and I think, unfortunately, he's been found out a few too many times now. Yeah. I've been impressed with Zach Crawley, I must say. Not so much the last test, but the first test. I mean, he, I think he looks quite good. Yeah, he does. He does look good. That, that is also, I think, an Ed Smith pick, we should say. He does look good. I think, obviously, Dom Sibley's is looking good. Ollie Pope, I don't know. His returns haven't been stellar, have they? It's, it's funny, this number three spot, right? Whenever they move someone to number three, they don't do very well, whether it's Root or Crawley, right? When he was batting at number four last test, right? I think position. he was. Tough it's tough, right? Yeah. Luckily, they have Ben Stokes. <laughs> you really wonder where England would be without him. And one other thing, I mean, the West, in, West Indies batting, we've discussed, it, it is under, I think, some pressure. Brath, Brathwaite has, has looked good. Shy Hope hasn't really kicked on either. I do like the look of Shamar Brooks, though. Yeah, I think he looks good. Yeah, he looks like a nice player. And of course, Chase has looked okay sometimes, and so has Blackwood. Brooks is funny. I was watching it. The, the, I think Michael Holder was um, Michael Holder was, uh, was commentating it, and, and Brooks was really like trying to stop himself from thrashing everything. You know, try and go for crazy hooks and things like that. He's obviously a very positive uh, player, and I think Michael Holding was trying to urging him from the comms box to, to not <laughs> to not try and thrash everything. And so he, when he gets it right, he's a really good looking player. Some lovely looking shots, um, but he's. Yeah, I think Jermaine Blackwood is the same, right? He just you just feel like it's tick tock, tick tock. He's just trying not to go for the big <laughs> shot, and then he and then on the third ball he can't help himself, right? Yeah. Well, he got that ninety five, didn't he, to win the Test match in the first yeah, Test, did. and then got out. But as Michael Holding said of Jermaine Blackwood, a leopard cannot change its spots. Mm. That's not. He doesn't believe in a growth mindset, does he? He believes in a fixed mindset. It would appear so, but uh, but you know, Blackwood seems to be doing all right. Yeah, he's doing, I, I was, I've I mean, been he impressed. seems he seems to be batting a bit more responsibly than he usually does. Definitely. Um, and just quickly, uh, the first test um, was delayed for rain, so we had some some quite extraordinary interviews actually about racism in mm. cricket, Black Lives Matter in particular. Uh, Michael Holding's uh, tearful interview, uh, where both he and Nasser Hussain uh, were moved to tears, um, mm. and and quite. I've never seen anything like it on British TV. I would either say. either have I. Uh, and it was authentic think, and heartfelt, wasn't it? It was just it was spontaneous in a way. I think it was just yeah. a great session. I was just quite impressed right? with how how far they went and how far I guess Sky went. You know, it's not something I would associate with them. 
you know, I, I like NASA's opening where he said, um, he said something like, you know, you know, don't turn the TV off and say, oh, here we go again. It's this racist stuff again. You know, you need to hear this. And he kind of went down that pathway and it was quite powerful, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. And, you know, honestly, Nasser Hussain in particular is interesting because he's someone, when he came up in the 90s, there was a lot made of the fact that he was really English and therefore he could be England captain and he read the Telegraph. And there was always this kind of feeling that he had to kind of reinforce his Englishness. And I think it affected him because he very rarely spoke about, you know, the fact that he's, he's half Indian and, and, and Muslim as well. But I think that happens with a lot of minorities around the world, right? Well, that's, we can go down this pathway, but they have to feel they have to be either Austra- over Australian or over English because they have to you know, prove themselves, right? Absolutely. And I think it's only now, perhaps, as you get older, he's probably more comfortable in his own skin and he probably looks back and thinks, well, I'm sure he doesn't regret anything. Those are the things he had to do. And it was a different time then as well. Um, but he's probably far more comfortable talking about this stuff now. And the hope is that players coming in now uh, don't have to do all that kind of stuff. You know, I, was, I, I wonder about Usman Khawaja in the same way, actually. Yeah. Well, he's back in the squad for the England ODIs, which is good to see. Just an aside. Good for him. Toby, what did you make of, of those those interviews? Yeah, quite shocking, actually, um, to hear personal sort of testimony from from Mikey about that sort of thing and how his parents had been um, had a really horrible time. And so I, I think people and echo what Hussein said you just have to stop and listen to this these stories because if you don't then nothing will change and I you know I do hope things will change as a result of that it's great to see Sky getting behind that um and and speaking to other people within their comms box about issues relating to, to race and discrimination so really important conversations to have uncomfortable for some but they're really important that they take place and so if cricket can lead the way I guess there's work to be done in other sports like football and rugby but cricket seems to be in the vanguard right now in this sort of uh, issue yeah i mean we should also mention ebony rainford brent who um also gave a very kind of uncompromising i suppose you know unflinching interview on racism some of the comments she'd received in the game and how she'd actually questioned quitting the game altogether because of comments and this is in london you know so it's it's kind of amazing And, and and also not that not that long ago either but yeah, well done to Sky for, for bringing this up, discussing it openly. I'm really hopeful. You know, these conversations need to happen everywhere, right? I think it's it's great they're happening in England. Um, they need to happen in India. You know, one of the things we've seen with this the Black Lives Matter, Darren Sammy, I don't know if you saw that whole situation where, you know, he effectively realised on Instagram, it seems, that this this nickname he that his teammates had been using for him in the IPL is actually a... You know, it's a racial slur, and uh, he he did he was not he was not aware of this, um, and it's a big problem in India. You know, uh, in Indian cricket grounds, when a when a black player comes out to bat, you will often hear the crowd chanting this slur, um, and so that's a huge issue. And we we've talked about obviously the issues in in Australia as well in the past. Um, South Africa, uh, Lungi uh, Ngidi has come out with a statement. Um, signed by a number of cricketers in support of Black Lives Matter. But that was disappointing as well because no, no sooner had he come out with the statement than four white cricketers asked why he wasn't, uh, why he wasn't talking about the plight of white farmers in the country. Um, so, you know, kind of missing the, 
missing the point entirely. It took a few days, it took a, at least a week before any white cricketers in South Africa supported the statement. And then, you know, I think Graham Smith came out, A.B. de Villiers as well. I'm not sure if Faf Duplessis has, has yet, maybe he has, but it's been much more grudging and much more slow in South Africa, perhaps indicative of the issues that country still faces. Um, but so many cricketers behind it there. I think the conversations that have been catalyzed are, it's, it's good to see, but I guess it's action that, that means more than anything, right? So hopefully that action happens and change, real change happens. Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see, you know, as, as we shift to India visiting Australia, I'm really hopeful that, that the media keeps the spotlight on this issue and that questions are asked. You know, I think questions need to be asked of the Indian cricket camp, their attitude. I think questions need to be asked of Australia as well, just so we can see the, the pressure kind of maybe forcing some sort of change here. All right, so let's talk about what's coming after England West Indies. There's no World T20, Darren. Where does that leave there us? There is no World T20. Well, it leaves us in a very confusing position because I hadn't realized this till recently, but the World Cup, the T20 World Cup was supposed to be scheduled this year in Australia, of course. There's another one scheduled next year in India, which beggars belief. I thought it should be every four years. So that's really weird. So now the discussion is the Australian World Cup has been postponed. Now there's a battle between Cricket Australia and India about who will host the World Cup next year. Will India do it first, then Australia does it the year after, or will it be vice versa? Logically, you'd think Australia would get it next year and then India would get it after, but I'm not sure if that will happen because India also has the ODI 50 over World Cup in 2023. So a lot of that cricket coming up in India. So let's see what happens. Um, disappointing, I guess, but, you know, it's understandable. I mean, could you imagine trying to create a bubble with 16 teams from around the world? I mean, all the support staff, the fan, I mean, it just doesn't seem possible. But it has now opened the window, of course, for the IPL to be hosted in the UAE. Mm. Yeah. What do you make for of that? For the second time, right? It was... Uh, for the second time. What was it, 2009? It they did it once in South Africa, right? I think as well. Oh, okay. And then once yeah. in the UAE. Right. Yeah. Because of political issues, I think, around the election, maybe. It was an election. Have they had it in Correct. the UAE before? They might have. No, I'm not no, sure, actually. Not. Yeah. Anyway, so it's supposed to be September 19th to November 8th, which is not that far away. But of course, I think one thing we've learned is these things can move pretty quickly. Um, they're waiting for permission from the Indian government. I... I'm quite sure it will be granted. Um, and away we go. Uh, yeah, sorry. I have really have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, oh, it's, great, it's great that they're getting one of the tournaments in, I must say, this year. I am, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm out of words for, for the IPL moving to the UAE. It will be hot. Damn hot. Anyway, you're not going to be there in a pool this year to watch... So, you know, watch Brendan McCullum and his teammates frolic around, are you? I don't think I'll be allowed into the bubble, unfortunately. You won't be allowed in the bubble. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm not even Cricket sure. Ultra's commentary. Yeah, I'm not sure Brendan McCullum will be there, will he? I'm, I'm sure he sure has he some sort of advocate, ambassador, whatever role. He was doing comms last year, wasn't he? <laughs> what, is he a comms director? Commentary. Oh, no, commentary. commentary. <laughs> okay. no, comms He's director. a storyteller. He's, <laughs> He's the comms director of one of the <laughs> franchises. <laughs> yeah. He's I'm not charge. a comms person. I'm a storyteller. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I tell stories. All right, um, He's a story finder. 
He's a story right. listener. Story miner. Story okay, miner. let's move on. Thank you. Let's move on. Um, okay, what else? So what other cricket is coming up? Is that it? Oh, Ireland's playing England, right, in, in an ODI series. And then, yep. I and guess, then Pakistan, Pakistan is touring. Yeah, Pakistan's coming. That would be interesting. And, of course, we have India touring Australia for the Test Series. So it's Adelaide, by the way, is the cricket ground, which has a hotel. I think the plan is to put the Indian team up there in the run-up. Maybe maybe this will result in um, a no test at the Gabba. <laughs> the Gabba Toir. We, 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 need, we need a test at the Gabba. I mean, that's, 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 an, that's, that's the biggest chance Australia have to win. It seems that Australia's entire strategy for this series is to make sure a test is played at the gap. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> I don't know why it wasn't last time. It was just crazy. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, so, you know, what's interesting is the BBL schedule has been announced, of course, the Big Bash League, and they've gone from about six weeks to two months, which is insane. Well, it's ipl so isn't it? It is, but two-month tournament. Every, every team plays 14 games each. You know, I was thinking to myself, if the Indian players are in Australia, why not let them play the second half of the BBL? Oh, right? this is the kind of innovation See, we come to that's you innovation, for, innovation, right? This is it. If, even if they played the last four or six games, because people are there on contract for a, a certain amount of games, I mean, that you think about the rights to, to, to broadcast that in India, right? If you had Kohli playing for the franchise with Chris Lynn or whatever together, I mean, you know, there's a lot of players coming from overseas as well, I think, um, former South African players play and some of the English players will be there as well. So I think that's, that could be quite tasty. It's one of those things that makes so much sense. You know, they will never it do does. it. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Right. And for that reason alone, you just know it won't happen. The yeah. BCCI will bring in, you know, De Villiers could go to Brisbane, you know, Coley could go to Brisbane as well and they can bat together again as they seem to like doing in the IPL. So they can just continue that. Yeah. Oh, well, what a shame. Anyway. Yeah. It won't okay, happen. so do we have any quotes? Yeah, I've, I, I had one actually. Well, a, a couple, a couple of little nuggets from social media. Um, you, Darren, this is not a quote, but this Darren said, "What, what cricket is on?" And that, that I've been not watching a lot of this. Uh, I think it's called Village Cricket or something on Twitter. It's a Twitter Twitter feed with lots of people's terrible runouts and stuff. But I did watch one, and if anyone's listening and has got time on their hands, do find it. It's a good one. You have to have sound, and it's basically a very sort of long shot from the boundary on someone's mobile phone. And the gentleman comes into bowl, and and, play, and, and the batsman play, launches a beautiful uh, on drive that goes sailing over the fence. And then you hear this crack as it smashes into a moving car, which is just going across a busy road on the boundary, um, which was quite exciting to watch. And I've watched it about twenty times. So yeah, check that out. And then the other quote I probably found was. Phil Simmons actually talking about uh, Dominic Sibley calling him what's his name, uh, which was quite fun. Um, <laughs> I think this was in a press conference. He said, Phil Simmons says, we need to add some of the things we did in the first test and subtract some of the things we did in this test match. And I think it's critical our batsmen carry on and make big hundreds, Stokes 176 and what's his name, 120 odd. So yeah, <laughs> after three hours of batting, I don't think Dom Sibley has not made any impression on Philip Simmons. Phil Simmons needs to come on Cricket Ultras. He'd be perfect. What an alpha move, though. With like, what's his name? Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Sachin Tendulkar's description of James Anderson's reverse, reverse swing. Um, <laughs> because I cannot figure this out at all. Uh, and I know, Darren, you, you had said to me previously that you, you understood it. But it, isn't reverse, reverse swing just normal swing? 
I think he rever- it's reverse swing, but he holds the seam in a different way, right? So you, normally when someone's bowling reverse reverse swing, you can often see where, how they hold the position and where the ball's in the hand. I think what he means is he, he, he the, when the seam comes out, it looks like it's going to be a conventional swing, but it goes the other way. So he disguises the way it's swinging and it goes reverse. So it makes it makes kind of sense, right? So he put reverse, this tweet reverse. up, and he actually he actually does a video of him demonstrating it, which is very confusing. Which is really confusing, and um, the, I suppose the other notable thing about the video is it doesn't involve any food. Um, but he says <laughs> while batting against Jimmy Jimmy Anderson, I noticed his remarkable ability to to bowl reverse swing reverse. He, he is one of the best exponents of this art. Now it's very clear to me. Obviously, obviously, Sachin Tendulkar, you know, pretty good batsman. But he's had some kind of weird cricketing ideas in the past. And I think it would be interesting at some point to, to maybe compile a list of his kind of weirdest comments. Sachin's funny ideas. Yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> this is kind of the latest in, in, a, in a string of weird things. Because he had that idea before on, um, on One Day Cricket, right? That he wanted to divide it into four innings of 25 overs each. And <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be like a 15-minute break and um, all this kind of stuff. There was some weird tournament over the weekend in South Africa where they, 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 three teams play at the same time. They all bat first for six overs or something. Then they change and come out again. It was called 3T something. It was just bizarre. I mean, De Villiers was playing and stuff, but I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think it just this fits into... Tendul, we should, we should do a, a session on that. Great he's innovations. An, he's an, yeah, he's a, he is an innovator, <laughs> clearly. Um, and, and I guess he's... Uh, He's happy to see Jimmy Anderson innovating. Has, has Jimmy Anderson made any comment about this? Is he even aware of this? That he's reverse reversing. <laughs> this is news to him. Possibly. Uh, talking of innovations, whatever happened to the aluminium bat? That was a good one. That was a classic. The Dennis classic, Lee. Classic of the genre, along with underarm bowling. Or the mongoose bat that Lance Cairns had. The sawn off like shoulder of the bat. What about the, uh, the when the South African team installed an uh, an earpiece <laughs> so that Bob That's Woolmer right. could talk to Hansi Kronje on the field? Yeah. Do you remember that? That paid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, rest okay. in peace to them both. It's so sad. Yeah, it's They're both dead. God, so sad. All right. Um, I don't really have. I, I had a couple of other sort of minor quotes. I mean, obviously the dumb best one. I'm feeling dangerous. Assume he was referring to his bowling. Uh, <laughs> there were some good comments because it was the one-year anniversary of the World Cup final. Uh, so there were some good comments from the New Zealand uh, cricketers about just the sheer pain of, uh, of, of still this, the, the pain they still feel in terms of that crazy match. What a match that was. Uh, Gary, Gary Stead, New Zealand coach. Uh, so yeah, I, I watched I watched the highlights again recently on Star. It's crazy. It's a crazy, such a crazy finish. So many missed chances and opportunities could have gone either way, right? It was just a crazy finish. What a way to finish a tournament, though. I mean, that's just marquee, isn't it? Such a strange game. I, I did a quiz on it. There was a quiz. How well do you remember the World Cup final? Uh, I got two out of ten. Not very well. Yeah, I got two out of ten. I mean, there were so many things that I got wrong because there's so many crazy things happened in that game that, it, yeah, it, it kind of beggars belief. Anyway, Gary Stead said, I haven't watched it ball by ball. I know what happened. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, kind of fair who? enough. That's uh, what's his name. Who? Yeah, that coach, is. What's his name? <laughs> that is definitely a what's his name. And on that note, 
I think we can bring this episode of Cricket Ultras to a close. Thank you both, Darren and Toby. We'll be back, I suppose, after the next... It's two more tests, right? So we'll be back after the next two tests are done. Thanks, everyone.